0: Now on to the show.
1: All right, y'all. Welcome to Morning Walk and Photo Talk. I hope everybody is doing wonderfully today. I hope you went and made amazing things yesterday. And I have to say, I am blown away by the critiques that everyone is giving in the Facebook group um, and the level and the skill of work and feedback that's going on in there. I'm sorry I haven't been in as much. I had one of those wild days yesterday's that just doesn't allow you to partake or participate, but I will be back in there today. So I can't wait to uh, to start giving some thoughts, which leads us right into the topic of today's conversation. So we began the week talking about the importance of critique. And then yesterday we talked about um, receiving critique and the day before about giving it. So we've kind of really covered most of the bases with critique And this is going to be just pulling everything together, making sure we put a neat little bow on it, talking about how we feel when we receive critique, some of the things that we've personally been able to do that allow us to get the most out of critique. And then I would love to hear from anybody who has received a critique so far in the group, how are y'all finding the experience, particularly when we've been encouraged to really dig deep to use a lot of what we have understood about visual literacy. Um, and how has it felt to kind of dig into those images to pull them apart and be able to give, uh, the most helpful feedback that we can. So I can't wait to hear from you guys about that. And I want to open this up of course, to the mods this morning and hear what y'all's experience has been so far. Cause you've shared some pretty incredible images, um, Basam and Kat and, uh, I'd love to hear what your experience has been getting and giving the feedback so far
2: well my uh, I guess my feedback is more on giving feedback and I just want to say that I find I found myself walking on eggshells doing feed, giving feedback so that I make sure I don't break Matt's rules you know it's like uh, uh, but it does make you think, you know, a little bit more profoundly. Maybe stop and think about how I should approach this subject before I give the feedback. So the that you know the 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 uh, I say it's Matt's uh, Matt's uh, rules, but it's really everything we've discussed. It really helps you kind of pause and, and say what's the best way to approach this subject, and 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 make the point without without being what's the word uh, sorry threatening or or unkind or so on. So that was interesting to walk on eggshells as you do it
1: yeah it is and for those who weren't here um at all over the last couple of days one of the things that we mentioned we asked basically what is something we should keep in mind when we are giving critique and um we we started really broad and then kind of narrowed it down to specifics and very broadly matt said that he always asks himself Is it true, is it kind, is it necessary? And using that as a kind of framework to approach, how am I gonna help this photographer, you know, walk away with a better image or get closer to what they want to create and using that as the first criteria is the thing I want to say, kind, necessary and true, definitely puts you in the framework to be able to communicate something effectively because, as we all know, if we come in guns blazing um, without regard for how the person is going to receive what we have to say, then obviously they may become defensive. They might, and just from the internal place of this is my work and I care about it, um, may shut off everything we have to say without ever considering it, which then, of course, becomes a waste of their time and seeking the critique from us and a waste of our time and giving them a critique that they're not going to use. And so, just all in all, that idea of positioning yourself from a place of kindness um, is just a really great place to start. So I would be curious to hear, Bassam, in keeping that in mind, when you looked at the final critique that you gave someone, did you feel like beginning with those criteria actually strengthened your ability to give like a critique somebody will be able to use?
2: Yeah no absolutely absolutely i mean you read them back and 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 you see the flow and you know i i i'm an impatient guy i tend to get to the point usually with everything i do so reading them back and looking that say hey listen it does. it did sound like you set it up like you congratulated them if if they you know somebody's proud of having their picture can't remember who it was i'm sorry but having their picture i think it was peter on a cover of a of a, of a newspaper so you congratulate them on that that's a good way to start Right, it, and then you can get into the the actual critique. Uh, the other thing that I that I found is that you know often some some people commented before me, and and I have nothing of value to add, and and I, I could have just not commented, but I just said, hey, I have nothing of value to add. The critique is is as fine as it is, and 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 give a compliment on the picture or ask a question and just be engaged, uh, regardless of whether you have a critique or not.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting as well, thinking about it from the perspective of when we have a chance to see those other critiques. Um, And that's something that we haven't talked about yet when it comes to critiquing in a group. And I know that this is something the ladies of the photographers roundtable experienced as we were doing group critiques was um, sometimes one of us would say, you know, exactly the thing that the other had in mind, which could make it really difficult to feel like you were actually contributing to the whole experience. And we found that sometimes the longer we went, the more we found new things to talk about. Um, and other times we had to do exactly what you did and just say, you know what, this is, this is fantastic and my, my colleague gave you everything, but, um, you know, well done and best of luck in the future. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting dynamic that you have to think about when you're in that position with group critiques.
2: Yeah, there, there's one phrase that I kind of copied and pasted often, and that is, I agree with Erica. Because Erica was so kind. Of the first, <laughs> the first yes, true.
1: One. Erica gives such great critiques too, and you can tell. I love how um, in, in her responses you can you can still tell the warmness in her voice she's such a warm
3: person. Well, and Basam, I really liked how you would ask questions. Like on the image that I posted, it was, you know, like, I don't really have anything to add, but what what might you have done differently if you had chosen a different intention, right? Like it was an image that I created around like, okay, let's constrain, let's not use all the things. And I still feel like I use too much. Right. But you asking the question about like, well, what would you have done differently if you hadn't put those limit limitations on on the, the experience? And uh, that made me think like, oh, what would I have done differently? Like, OK, I probably would have changed this lighting setup and I definitely would take off the jewel things. Um, but I really liked how that kept me thinking more so about, well, how would I elevate this image differently.
2: Well, it, it, yeah, and it's about creating conversation. I mean, I, you, you could have just said thank you. I mean, I could have asked the question or made a comment and you could say thank you, as opposed to getting engaged into a conversation about it, wherever, wherever it leads. And I guess it goes with, with, with what you said, Nicole, the longer you go talking about an image, the more you discover things, right? So how do you as a how do you how do you kind of keep that conversation going without just giving like oh fix this fix this oh why don't you fix also fix this oh why don't you also do this you know just uh, uh, create a conversation.
1: You just said something I think is really important, Basam, that um, can become a stumbling block for a lot of us when we're giving critique. Is we have this feeling that a critique means. We are finding everything was wrong with the image and then telling somebody how to fix it. And if you go into photography groups, you will often see that this kind of becomes the default. All of the responses are like, uh, nice job, but this is wrong and this is wrong. And if you want to fix it, you can do this. And that's not always the case. Um, And it shouldn't really be approached from the perspective of, well, you know, how do I tell this person how to fix all of these things? It really also should be, how do I respond to this image and why? because that also gives the person who is sharing the image a really great look into whether or not they've achieved what they wanted to achieve which is why we talked about starting with well how does this image make you feel like what is your first initial gut reaction to this image that way the person can know like for cat cat shared such an emotional um like a really charged powerful self-portrait if you were to look at that image and be like, man, this just makes me wanna go skipping off through a field of flowers and eat strawberries and cheese in the sunshine. Um, And Kat was saying, okay, well, you know, those feelings were certainly not my intention. Like that's interesting, but um, I was hoping, you know, for this kind of response, or I was hoping to connect to these kind of feelings when I made the images, then obviously that is really fantastic information for her to have and not just, you know, here's something that you can fix. So being able also for us to share what we felt about something, why we think like, what is it about the image that is contributing to that feeling? And then also those other things that we mentioned, you know, um, I can see the the contrast is really working to pull the eye over here. And this use of repetition is really making the image feel like it has a rhythm and it's, you know, et cetera. So the, the more we can give feedback, the more open the other person's eyes can become to how their choices have contributed to the overall feeling of the image. It's not just here, go fix all of this stuff. So I'm really glad that you brought that up because I think it's i think it's such an important thing for us to keep in mind when we're giving critique. I know, um, oh, go ahead, Matt.
0: Nicole, you know, one of the things that I wanted to say, and I wanted to go back to uh, the beginning of the Psalm statement about the kind, necessary, and true. For me, what I've found is that the necessary is the hardest part. Right? It's not being kind. I think we're generally kind. Um, The truth is always what our truth is. But the necessity of it is the thing where, if we're being asked for critique, we almost feel like we have to say something. But if there's nothing to say, there's nothing to say. Very much like you talked about with, you know, if someone else nails it, there's nothing else to say. It's not necessary for you to include that. So many of us feel the need to absolutely say something when we're asked. And a lot of times with a little bit of thought, you don't have to say that. And you can apply that to relationships. You can apply that to critique. You can apply that to anything. A lot of times you don't have to say anything. I know it's ironic as I ramble on and on and on um, that most of my words are not necessary. But in the realm of critique, um, you know, a lot of times when we're looking at an image, we could say something about color or shadow or storytelling or whatnot. But if it's really not there and it's not necessary and it's not going to add anything to this person's uh, approach to the image, then just don't say it at all. It's that easy.
1: Yeah, so true. And also along that line of thought, when we're asking ourselves, is this necessary? I think that's where Kat's point from the other day also comes in, because we have to ask ourselves, what's the purpose of this image? And is the feedback I want to give necessary to help this person you know, reach, reach that place? And um, that's where this context becomes so important and why I asked everybody to give just a little bit of information about the image when they were sharing. Because if your goal is to get on a magazine cover, well, there's some things that we probably should talk about that we may not have to worry about if we're talking about, you know, a portrait or um, a piece of street photography. So the necessary will change depending on the context, right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, it does, and it, it, it also changes depending on timing. It may be ne- It may be necessary, but this is not the right time to talk about it depending on the context you're in right? You may want to, for a, a perfect example, the, the timing of doing publicly on Facebook may not be right. You may want to do it on a different day, in a different, you know, in a private message as an example, or when the conversation comes up about something else, if you have a relationship with that person. So yeah, the timing is also important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy how much there is to consider in this process. And I know sometimes when we talk about these subjects and we break them down into pieces it can be easy to all of a sudden feel overwhelmed with how much there is to consider but just remember that most of this is the same as anything else we do so much of it happens without conscious thought so much of it happens just in the regular flow of approaching these things and so what we need to do in situations like this where we're really breaking something down is just latch onto the stuff that we recognize applies because you may always be kind when you're giving feedback, but you've never really asked yourself before, is this necessary, right? Or you may always be as truthful as you can, but sometimes you can be very blunt and you haven't really considered your wording very much. And so there are times when you say, okay, I really want to pay attention to the fact, am I making this as palatable for the person as possible? Um, so it's interesting how variable everything happens to be given the circumstance. But what I think is so valuable about these conversations is that we get to build a framework for how we approach this subject that allows us to be not only effective at helping people, but effective at learning long-term. So that's kind of the next question I want to ask y'all is, as you've been giving these critiques and kind of forced to slow down and break these image down, uh, these images down, given the fact that we just spent a month talking about visual literacy. And as you're reading the critiques from other members of the artist forge, have you guys felt like you've learned something from the process? Don't everybody all stand up at once.
2: (laughs) I mean, yeah, the the obvious answer is, is yes. I'm, um, I find I'm, I mean, I'm even like you said. This is this applies to everything we do in life, right? And how we have conversations with people. And uh, and uh, I do. I, I noticed even in the last week, I do uh, a bit of coaching, as I said, as part of my consulting business. And I've had a couple of sessions this week where I consciously thought of of what we learned in terms of critique and what you know these these column guidelines or rules that we kind of put for each other. I find I'm applying them in my everyday life, and and and. Proven through these couple of sessions that I had this week. Um, so yeah, I, I you know I, I'd like to hear from others and and in, the, in, that, in the, um, our friends about how they you know see that. So
1: yeah, absolutely. We'll, we will be pulling folks up. Um, Erica had her hand up earlier, um, so if if you're still interested in coming up, um, we're just about to the halfway point, so we'll be grabbing everybody. But I would love to hear um, Matt, Kat, Becca, like how have you guys felt about learning through this experience giving critique and then seeing what other people are sharing in the group as well
0: so admittedly i have not been as active in the group just because of my schedule the past couple of days my goal was to get in there today and tomorrow and not only submit some of my own images i have been scanning through some of the critiques that i've seen from basam and the feedback from erica and I've, i've scanned through the images i just have not gone in and done it yet from what i've seen and the way that people are providing it, what an incredible resource this is starting to become. Um, So I was really on board with what I was reading. I think everybody is taking the the correct approach to it and not doing the the typical photography forum. This sucks, you need to add more light. And I think by taking that approach, we're all gonna learn a little bit more. So my plan was to dive in today and tomorrow and uh, participate a little bit more than I have so far
1: right on, man. I can't wait to see what you share. And I would absolutely agree with you. I think having gone through the experience of the last month or so, and then being able to approach critique through that lens, um, you know, people, you guys just hear my dog sneeze on my lap. Oh boy. There's something to, uh, there's something to wake you up in the morning. Um, but, yeah, having gone through that experience and then giving critique through that lens has really lent a depth and a richness to the critiques that is, is kind of amazing. So I've, I've been pretty, like, wildly impressed by everything that's been shared so far. Um, before we start bringing folks up, Kat, Becca, Bassam, do you guys have anything else you want to
3: add? I really, you know, appreciate the the point about pulling in the visual literacy components that we have been discussing, because I think it's one thing to to talk about them, right, and to to sort of take in the information, but it's another thing to reflect on that information while you're in motion and in shooting, uh, and then carrying that into a critique space. Um, because it's sort of building on itself, right? Like there are some things that you think you might inherently understand. And then when you really sort of break down the construct, go, oh, 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 okay, that's cool. And really start to lean in on those pieces that you are absorbing, right? As you create your own work and then as you turn to, to give critique, um, to see things through, I don't know, it, uh, with more clarity uh, that I think is really powerful. So I've been enjoying that over the last few weeks and I haven't shot a ton um, just because I've been traveling so much, but uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to see where that, that growth comes into play.
1: Absolutely, me too. And it's cool. And I love that you mentioned, you know, the times when visual literacy and our understanding of it starts to have an effect. And it's cool, because we can take it, we can go on the whole journey from like pre production, all the way through shooting, and then finally ending in critique before we share. And then interestingly enough, which is why we decided to take, you know, to take this journey now, is we can also go in that opposite approach, like you mentioned, and we can begin exercising some of those muscles through the critiques before we even go into shoot because now we have those real world examples that we've found just by taking the time to be with an image for a little bit oh man i can see how you know in this frame the weight of the different things included in the frame is really making this composition work or whatever it is you know that you happen to see that's related to everything we've learned so It's cool that we can actually start to integrate and actualize some of these artistic principles as we're critiquing and then hopefully also carry that over so that it starts to become more like second nature when we're actually working.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Very cool.
1: So fun. Uh, Becca, do you have anything to add this morning before we open up and have our friends come up and share their experiences so far? Just quietly listening and observing. Sorry, I'm kind of absent this week. No worries. No worries, lady. You have a lot on your plate, so I just want to make sure we don't uh, run along without you. All right, y'all. So you heard a little bit from the moderators on how we have experienced this process so far with y'all in the group, seeing everything that's happening, being able to start breaking down some of these images, actualizing on our experience with visual literacy and how that plays into how these images are being critiqued and, you know, what we're learning from the process. So it's time to hear from you guys. would love to have you raise your hands, come up, share what your experience has been so far, even if you've learned something just through uh, just through seeing what everyone else has done and shared, but also through your experience. Um, really can't wait to hear your thoughts. So Erica, good morning, Miss Lady.
4: Good morning. Uh, I was kind of chuckling with, with what Bassam said. Really, my goal was to try to get in there and critique things as quickly as I could. So I wasn't influenced by other people's critiques. Um, I mean, so the first round I, I uh, or the first evening, I guess, I, I tried to do that and looked at everything with fresh eyes. And then um, I think the next night I, I was like the last person to go through. And so, um, and I think there's a definite difference when you, when you read other people's critiques and then you you know, go in and try to critique yourself because it does, you already know what other people are seeing. So that's where your eye goes first. So I definitely um, found that. And the other thing I wanted to say was I love the approach of going in first and um, like trying to determine how the image makes me feel as opposed to going in with the, you know, the technical stuff. Um, I, I'm a little bit like Bassam in that I'm, you know, all business sometimes, and I feel like I'm um, going in with that kind of the, um, softer approach. That oh, how do how do I feel about this? Not any of the technical. It really helped me to absorb the image better before I went into the technical stuff.
1: I'm so glad to hear that because I noticed um, I noticed the same thing. Before we began the photographers roundtable, when the, the five of us ladies were were giving critique for you know just anybody who was looking for it, before doing that, my experience with critique and often my experience in you know group critiques in places like Facebook was really super similar to what you're describing where. Somebody would share something or I would share something and it would be, you know, everybody would, would jump in with kind of a fine tooth technical comb and just immediately be like, well, you know, the exposure here could be a little bit better. And if, you know, turn the hand this way and all that kind of stuff, which is super great. But all of that advice, there would be no way to know if that went into my intention, because what they were giving me was what they thought was technical advice on how the image could be better, but better for what, right? Like, If I don't know how this is making you feel, if I don't know what your reaction is to it, it's really hard to judge if that piece of technical advice is actually going to help move more towards the thing that I want. So I think your point is so well taken. And also, I'd love to hear, so you said that your experience critiquing after you had read what other people said was different. Do you think it's just pure difference as in like different but not better or worse? Or do you think it was better or worse in some way.
4: Um, maybe in a way it was better just because, um, it was better in the fact that I saw things that maybe I would not have seen just on my own. Um, it helps me to see things in a different way when I see the way other people are critiquing things. Um, but worse in the sense that I, like, I fear it wasn't just my thoughts. It was, you know, thoughts that were influenced by other people. So a little bit of both.
1: Is sure.
3: That-
1: <laughs> no, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And it's, it's interesting because I think for many of us, and the same is true of art, for many of us, we have this idea that if we never get influenced, then whatever comes from us will be perfectly original. And yet it's strangely enough it's not actually true because everything we make is going to be influenced. I mean, you you can't make something a human being has never seen before when it comes to your visual literacy library, right? Um, because if, if we didn't have society and we lived by ourselves in the woods, then the natural world would be the thing that influenced what we created. This is why you know the first drawings are things like animals and people because that is what we had experience seeing. So we don't, we don't think or create in a vacuum. And it's really interesting to hear you kind of bring up that experience because when we have the feedback of other people to open our eyes to things we haven't seen yet, when you give feedback, the feedback is still yours. It's just now informed by more information, right? And so it's kind of a cool, it's kind of a cool process to be able to participate in something like that as a group, because I I absolutely have experienced the same thing you have, where I might be the last person to go. And so many people have said what I would have intended to say at first, but now that I've read their thoughts, I can, I can really tell how much more it's forced me like it. it, It's almost like it forces me deeper into the image and all of a sudden I'm seeing things that I would not have seen on my own, which is cool because it becomes an educational experience for me also. All right. Anybody else this morning who has been participating in the critiques, do you guys have any thoughts? Would love to hear from you this morning. If you can, join and raise your hand. would love to bring you up and hear from you.
3: It's
2: okay, Shy people this morning.
1: Yeah, it could be just that folks have got stuff to do today, so they might not be able to jump in. But uh, I'm, I'm gonna pull up Facebook and just even look at some of the critiques that were given on my work and share a couple of the things that i have noticed about the nature of these critiques and how um how deep they are getting and how much actual valuable information is coming out of these that plays right into the things that we have been learning over the last couple weeks because one of the things that i noticed i shared an image that i took over the summer Um, with a beautiful dress that Kat lent me and this wonderful model who came up to work with me. And I finally got the chance to go out into these botanical gardens that are here in Albuquerque. And I have been wanting to shoot in that space for a long time because it's just absolutely lush. And here in the desert, when you get to be in a space where everything is green and growing and blooming and just full of life, it is a it's crazy that it's more profound even than when you're surrounded by it all the time which when i lived in washington state that is life there so um i'd been dying to shoot there and so we went out into the gardens and the way that I shot the image was really specific. I left a good deal of space around the subject. And then in post-production I went in and I had to add quite a bit of red to the greens because the sun was out and everything is bright. And excuse me, these greens are just blazing. Um, they're so, so bright that they grab your eye and just pull it right in all directions. So after dulling all of those down, um, you know, I have this kind of contemplative, but really pretty image. And then the feedback is fantastic because as people were noting, there are some things that I can see are coming from their direct perspective in the fields that they specialize in. And then other things that are coming from a purely, as I look at this from a technical standpoint, um, I'm seeing that compositionally, I think it would be stronger, you know, if you cropped in or if these changes were made and I'm looking at them and I'm going, wow, okay, you know, I hadn't noticed this before, or let me try this and see if I actually like it or how it makes me feel when I do it. And one piece of feedback in particular, Wynn went ahead and, and did a crop and said, you know, when I look at this, this is where the area of interest is at. And this is why I think it would be, you know, that it would be strong. And like, it's a beautiful crop. And I think it absolutely is, makes a really strong image. And I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to be objective and like put myself in the position of if I crop this and if I don't crop it, how do I feel about each thing? And I noticed that with the crop, it made me very clearly feel like the the background is supplementary and the subject is the most important part of the frame. And then when I pull back, at least for me, it felt like the photo is more about the moment the subject is having. Than the subject themselves, and like here's a a pretty person, Um, but neither would be a wrong answer, right? Like, if depending on what your intention is, and as a portrait artist, it would make absolute sense to make it very clear. Here is the most important thing here, and let the background kind of play. I don't want to say second fiddle, but reinforce the fact that you know here is a woman in her garden enjoying the afternoon sunshine or whatever, Um, and so it's been a pretty great experience slowing down and taking my time to consider these individual pieces of feedback and really ask myself if i were to take this piece and institute that feedback would it get me closer to or farther away from what my intention was when i shot this and there was so much strong stuff that I can easily, which I'm going to do, by the way, y'all, I'm going to pull that image into Photoshop and make the suggestions y'all have, you all have given me. And that way we can look and see, okay, from where this image started um, to what it would become if I take all of these feedbacks into account, do we feel overall like this image has improved? Um, so it will be cool to see that happen as well. That way we can evaluate like, all right, when we give the feedback, did it really work? And so it'll be fun to experiment there also.
2: Well, one of the things that I, it kind of frustrates me the most when I receive feedback and I see it, some some, it frustrates others also is when you, when you have already fixed something, cause you knew it was either wrong or not to your liking or, And you fixed it to a point where you think this is as far as I can go. And then the first feedback you get is exactly the same thing, saying you should fix it. Meaning you never went, you didn't go far enough, right? I I just find it frustrating because, yeah, I know, I tried. And it just points to the fact that maybe there was something fundamentally wrong in in camera. And I, I could learn something about how to avoid that altogether. Or it is a personal preference in that case. And I decided not to go further. But then people saw the same thing that bothered me. And and it's just one of those, yeah, I don't, It's a little frustrating for some reason.
1: <laughs> I I feel you there. I think it's one of
2: those things that make you go like, oh man,
1: um, which I noticed um, a couple people pointed out the brightness of the greens in my image. And I was like, man, I, already, I, I tried to dull those. <laughs> like, I still wanted them to glow a little bit, um, but I did like I tried guys. And now I'm like, okay, so maybe it really is worth going in and you know, the interesting point there that you bring up with Psalm 2 is sometimes when we make those fixes, since we are so, and you mentioned this yesterday, since we are so acquainted with the image itself, we happen to miss um, like the, we don't have that objective eye. And so that's why it's great for us to take a couple days away from an image and come back to it because sometimes we've seen it too much and we need some fresh eyes to reacquaint ourselves with like, okay, did, did the fix I thought fixed it actually <laughs> fix it or did it not? And that's one of the great things I think, you know, we're able to get from critique um, in, in those circumstances also. So I noticed Wynn has come up as well. I want to give you a yeah. chance to respond. So this maybe, last, when start?
2: maybe last 10 seconds on that. It's the same It's the same, and, and many of us portrait photographers or at least retail portrait photographers see is that, you know, you, you fix someone's... Uh, Lines under their eyes, you soften them up, and then you show them the, the final picture. And they say, Well, could you fix the lines under my eyes? <laughs> you know, it's, it's that same feeling of, Oh my god, I already did if you only saw what it looked like before. Anyways, go ahead, Lynn.
5: <laughs> I, I've had that same issue, Basam. Believe me, I understand. Um, back when I was a, uh, a wedding photographer, uh, as the main thrust of my business, we did pre bridal. Photographs of uh, almost everyone and I used to describe the difference between a full-length prebridal and a and a closer up image of the same woman in her same wedding dress a Full-length is a picture of a wedding dress with a woman in it and a closer picture is a picture of a woman in her wedding dress and to the same point the, the picture that that Nicole is talking about is um, Cropped, it's a picture of a woman in the garden. And uncropped, it's a picture of a garden with a woman in it. And depending upon the, the intention uh, behind the photograph, I mean, if you were illustrating an article about wonderful garden spaces in the middle of the desert then the uncropped version is all that it needs to be. And then there may be some tonal corrections that you can help run the the, the observer's eye through the image, but that's the, the main difference between the two images, is one's a, one is a picture of a situation, the other is a picture of a person. and uh, And they're both equally valid and equally strong in their... Respective uses, and I just wanted to have the, the, to get there. That's why I cropped it the way I did, because to me, that was uh, a, you know I've been doing portrait photography lately, and so that was that was what the, that was all about in my head at that second. But if it if I was uh, working for an editor, and we were illustrating an article about gardens, uh, of course it would have been would have been the first one. So. That's what I have to say.
1: I I think you said that beautifully, when and it's so absolutely true. And I think that's why it's fantastic for us to be able to have this experience together because in part we get to see um, the intention of the photographer and in part we get to see the, the um, almost some of our some of our biases given the kind of work that we do right like we of course like a portrait photographer is naturally going to think well you have all this negative space here like let's really get to the heart of of what's most important about this image and that's because we're coming from that space and then probably A landscape photographer is going to be like, oh, man, if you would have pulled out a little bit, you would have been able to get the curve of these gardens and really show what it's like to be in that space rather than here as a person. Right. And so each of us are coming into this experience, into these critiques with um, all like our vast knowledge, all in our areas of specialty. And when we see all of these things together all of a sudden it becomes almost like a buffet of improvement right like here are all of the potential things i could do to make this image stronger and then we have what i talked about yesterday which is we have to kind of become our own advocates then we have to ask ourselves okay what gets me the closest out of all of this really great feedback which things will get me the closest to the intent of the image and it's it's amazing how that understanding of visual literacy can become the key point. Because like you said, if the purpose of the image was to take a portrait of a woman, then that crop does everything that it needs to do. Like all of a sudden that becomes the most important part. And then if the purpose is to be like, this is a kind of cottage cottagecore garden fairy tale, then all of a sudden the woman becomes part of the story and not just the story herself. So it's just this really cool dynamic of... Being able to make these uh, make these decisions.
5: While you were talking, I flashed on a thing. It it opens up discussion in the importance of really exploring the image that you're you're taking. Um, when I'm working for someone else, I have a, a laser-focused idea of what I'm what I'm supposed to do, and, and we we go in we do that. When I'm photographing for myself, um, I would love to have, uh, in that situation, photographed the whole garden with the woman in it and, and come in closer and, and tried to create a body of work around the garden. One of those pictures would have been a portrait of the woman in the garden, but not all of them. Most of the pictures would have been a picture of the garden. With a woman in it, or uh, a family in it, or the, the patrons of the garden, wherever they might be, because all of those pictures exist in that space. And one of those things we have to remember to do is not be locked in and only focused on one thing, but to give your mind a chance to look at the situation and, and decide... Uh, am I going to cover this as a, as a st- am I going to tell the story of my day at the garden or am I going to only tell a small piece of that story instead because I have a reason to tell just that small piece? Both of those things are valid and, and um, remembering to once in a while, take a look at the overall situation. Um, certainly it will help your help everybody's photography to give yourself a chance to expand your, your field of vision. I was at a party one time uh, at, at uh, New Year's with my editor and the sun was going down and everybody in the, at the party was watching the sunset. I took a picture uh, 90 degrees away from the sunset because the sky over there and the pier over there became the photograph that I wanted to take to remember the day. No people in it. And uh, when you're looking at something beautiful, maybe you should do a 360-degree scan to see if the beauty that you're looking at is attracting you in a superficial way from something else that may have more meaning for you later. And Just be aware of your surroundings and, and love what we do.
1: I'm done. I, I think that was so well said, Wynn. And you're absolutely right. And maybe at some point I'll share the rest of the images from that set because um, your description is exactly what I've done. There are some close ups of the woman, particularly. Um, there are some more wide shots of her interacting in the garden. And all of a sudden, in those shots, she becomes an avatar for the viewer where we can imagine ourselves in her place, you know, picking a flower or, you know, looking at the birds in the tree or whatever it is that I have her doing in those scenes. So, I mean, your description of of that experience being there and shooting that and my intention there was absolutely right on. I noticed Erica, you had also unmuted. So I want to make sure we have a chance to hear from you and then um, from Robert.
4: Yeah. I kind of going back to what Bassam was saying and a little bit of what Wynne was saying. um, I found it interesting. um, Many of the comments made uh, in the critique of my image were things that I literally sat and contemplated for, you know, a long time, you know, and I went back and forth and back and forth. And should I do this? Should I do this? And, you know, one of, uh, one in particular was the crop. And, um, I can't tell you how many times I went back and forth. Should I, you know, zoom it in, zoom it out. And and I tried, um, my issue was like, there were details in that image, um, like for example the dog's tail was underneath him <clears throat> which is very <clears throat> typical of of our dog you know he's just kind of a tail between the legs kind of dog i felt it added this to the story now a judge looking at that picture will they notice that probably not they have seconds to look at the image you know so is it really contributing? It's contributing for somebody who is really going to ponder the image, but it may not contribute for the, you know, for the quick look. So again, trying to, you know, take myself, my personal feelings out of it and, you know, and try to determine who's going to be looking at it and the impact I'm trying to make to them um, will help determine what the final product will be.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's why it was so germane of Kat to mention, you know, that we, we need to know the purpose, like, what's the intention of the image. And if we're going into, um, you know, if we're if we're going into judging, then understanding the kinds of things that those judges look for, you know, that is a huge factor in trying to figure out what we're doing there, and what we need to fix, and what we need to make sure we add and Um, And when mentioned, you know, if I'm working with a client, I have this laser focus because I know going into it what they need. And so then when we receive those critiques, it's important for us to understand as critiquers what we need to be paying attention to. Because if I know that you are about to, you know, put in for an award, then I want to make sure that I cover those things that the judges are going to be considering because that's your purpose for the image. So having that information is just super, super important. Robert, want to make sure we have time to hear your thoughts today. Robert might be away from his phone.
2: Yeah, Robert, I I muted your your mic uh, just so we don't get interference, but yeah, you need to unmute. Oh. Oh, there we, there go.
6: we go. We got Sorry, you. I was I was on Facebook looking at your image. And I was sitting here trying to think if I, you know, I have this thing about eyes. And I keep looking at everybody's images and stuff. And I know mine I, I you know, are a little too undercapped. I, you know, I didn't even notice it until someone pointed it out to me. But it's about, mine's more about the clarity of the eyeball than anything else. I have this argument with my son all the time who I call him a wannabe. 'Cause he doesn't you know, we don't do photography like that anymore, Dad. And I keep reminding him that the eyes are the are the soul of the image. And if they're not bright enough, it kind of bothers me. And and I see this a lot, and I don't know if I'm just being a butthead about it in old school or what. Anybody got
1: no, go ahead, Basam, and I'll share. No, something. I was just going to say, I don't,
2: I don't think it's a matter of being old school or butthead. I, I, I think we do have our preferences. Now, our preferences may not fit what most people are looking for, but you see trends with photographers' work where they they just prefer certain things, whether it's the picture is under-saturated. Under uh, obviously, most people who are love saturated colors would not be attracted to that photo, so... Uh, And I guess that applies to things like clarity in the eyeballs and, 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 and the skin smoothing and whatever it is that people have preference for.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, And I would agree, Robert. I don't think you're, I don't think that's being a, a butthead at all. I think, um, I think for me, um, when I choose to have eye contact or not in an image completely depends on the psychology that I'm trying to pull on. And so, and I'll explain what I mean there. So when we make eye contact with one another when we're speaking to each other what we're doing is inviting connection from that person like we are looking to connect very personally with whoever we're engaging with um, and that eye contact becomes that really key and important point and so if i'm taking a portrait where it's important for me that the viewer engages with the subject of the portrait and, and gets that moment of connected humanity, then I will make sure and I will ask for them to be looking at the camera. But if what I want to do is use the image as a way for the viewer to have a, um, let's call it like a subjective experience, like I can imagine myself as her in that garden, or... Um, I want them to have a kind of voyeuristic experience. Like, man, it must have been beautiful to be standing there and surrounded by all that beauty. Um, then I will not ask the subject to look at the camera because I I don't. I'm using the subject not as the individual person, like Brenna, who was the lovely model that day. Um, she came in, and I'm I was not interested in taking a portrait of Brenna. I wanted Brenna to become an ideal, to become this kind of cottage core goddess type thing, um, for a moment that's happening right now. Um, and to make a fairy tale with me that then somebody could look at and insert themselves into. So in that case, I didn't want eye contact, whereas in some of the other portraits that I took of her, where I want it specifically to be here is Brenna in this gorgeous light and she's beautiful. Then I have her make eye contact with the camera. So for me, it's all about, um, it's all about what that intention is and what kind of psychology I'm pulling on. So I hope that makes sense.
6: It does. Thank you. I'm sorry. I just, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, look at that, can't even talk. Um, I just, one of those guys that, that look at eyes and go, I want to see them in any <laughs> situation. And, uh, you know, but anyway, thank you. And I will shut up now.
1: Yeah. And don't be sorry. Don't be sorry at all. That's, you know, it's a really great point. It's something for us to keep in mind that that each, whenever we look at something, we're bringing our, our tastes and our personal, you know, our personal desires and our biases and all the things we like that comes along with us. And so if you were to look for a piece for your home, probably my work in general just isn't going to be the best for you taste-wise because I often prefer not to have my subjects look at me. And I am not a person... Who is interested in catchlights? Either um, I really don't care if my subjects have catchlights in their eyes because often what I'm trying to do is take a picture of a story, and not and and the person becomes a character. So often um, it might look like it's you know a scene out of um out of a movie or something like we've caught a movie still. But then other folks in here um, who like they they will get that those nice bright eyes and those beautiful catchlights and. Um, and they're gonna have work that falls a lot more in line with with your taste and that's that's the the wonderful part of being photographers and being artists is that you know the things we like are going to appeal to the people who think the way that we do and there's somebody out there, some artist out there for all of us, which, Thank God for that, like the fact that so many of us now have access to these tools that allow us to create, to express ourselves, to show the world how we think and the things that we love, and then invite people who think the same way to come in and engage with us. That's one of my favorite parts of all of us being able to make the amazing things that we do. So as we come toward the end of the hour, y'all, it is time for final thoughts. Um, This will be our last discussion purely about critique this week as we continue critiquing in the Facebook group. If you are not in the Facebook group, you can go to The Artist's Forge on Facebook. It is private, so you will need to request to get in, but we will make sure to let you in and, uh, and you can come and participate as well. So Wynn, I see you're unmuted. What are your final thoughts
5: One of the very coolest things about photography in, in, the, in the day and age that we find ourselves in is that today, As photographers. We have the same control over our images that artists, manual artists, have always enjoyed. If you want catch lights in the eyes, you can either light the subject so that they're there, or you can use Photoshop and put them in later. If you don't want them, you can take them out if you want to. So that every piece of work that we use can be exactly what we want it to be. Once you've learned how to use the available tools, it has. It's a. It's a tremendous feeling of freedom, to be photographing, in twenty twenty one, versus photographing in nineteen eighty one. And uh, oh, in nineteen eighty one, I was a commercial photographer creating images on film, mostly large format film, and we had to work really hard to get everything on the Chrome that we wanted, because all we could do on Chrome was process the film, and then we were done. Um, Nowadays, I don't have to turn to uh, a professional retoucher. I can do it myself. I can realize the vision that that I had, And it at once makes the process easier and far more complex and harder to because there's no excuse for not realizing your vision anymore. And uh, I think that discussions like we've been having uh, open up our minds to all the possibilities, many more possibilities than we would traditionally have and that this is nothing but a good thing and i really thank you for having the space here for us to have these conversations thanks a lot
3: uh,
1: absolutely my friend and i 100 percent agree with you i think that this is this is why we do this this is why we come here every morning and do this together because i know at least for me i grow by leaps and bounds so Um, I'm so grateful to have everybody here with us to go through all of this learning. It's been a fantastic few days so far already this week, being able to dive into the act of critique, of why it's important, how we can get the most when we request critique, how we can get the most when we give critique. And what I would really love for folks to keep in mind here is that just like everything else we experience as artists, we are bringing our own... um, our own preferences, our own biases, our own tastes into the experience. And as much as we want to be objective in as many ways as we have to be able to step away a little bit and make sure that, you know, we're not just saying change a thing because it's not how I like it. um, We have to recognize that in some way our personal tastes are going to come into play and make sure that we're accounting for those things and making sure that when we are giving feedback, we're beginning from the broader perspective of is it true is it necessary is it kind and then drilling down from there how did this image make us feel before we thought about it too much what was our gut reaction to this image and then taking everything we understand about visual literacy how can we break it down to those points so that we can figure out why was this image so good at making me feel this way what is it about this shot that makes me feel lonely or happy that makes me curious or makes me want to spend time with the image and then taking everything we know about visual literacy and things like context and environment subject matter wardrobe lighting color composition all of those things and seeing how they contribute overall to the way that the image makes us feel and then finally making certain that our our broader intention anytime we're interacting with an image this way is to do the most good for the person we're trying to help, to help them get closer to their intention with the image that they're making and to be engaged there, to ask questions, to not just quickly walk away, but there are things that we may have to offer that are only going to become clear when we can get that clarity from the person that we're you know, trying to help. And then as the person who is requesting someone else's time making certain that we've put ourselves in a mental space that we are ready to accept that feedback because the last thing we want to do is request somebody take time out of their day to give us feedback on an image when we really don't have any intention number one of taking that advice Or number two, we're just not in a space yet where we're able to divorce ourselves emotionally enough from the image that we can be a little bit more objective and look at our intention without kind of just hoarding the image and, and feeling like any feedback is an attack on us. We have to make sure we're in a good place to receive that. And then that we're willing to sit down and say okay given the feedback i've got if i try these things does it help me get closer to what i wanted when i started creating this and making sure that we are our own advocate there and that we look at that feedback and pick the things that really apply and the things that don't it's okay for us to walk away from those making sure that we recognize all of this information exists to help us walk away with an image that's closer to what we wanted so The last part of this is just understanding that the process of giving and receiving critique is just another time that we get to learn, it's time that we get to dive into images and break them down and look at them through the lens of visual literacy and take all of that incredible information and then apply it and actualize it so that when we are doing our pre-production on an image when we are shooting when we're doing post-production we have the opportunity to take all of these incredible tools that we have as artists and apply them to the image we're making we're taking full advantage of our visual language in order to communicate something we think is important to other people so It's a great tool for us to use guys. It's a really, really amazing tool for us to use. So I hope I will be seeing everybody in the Facebook group this week. I hope y'all will be sharing and critiquing and really just diving into this experience so that we can take everything we learned about visual literacy and just internalize it in a way that makes it easier for us to use when we go to work in the future. So I hope we will see everybody in the Facebook group today. I hope we will see y'all bright and early tomorrow morning for another episode of morning walk and photo talk with the artist forge 7am mountain standard time that's 6am for the west coast 9am for the east coast afternoon for our friends overseas in the meantime go make something amazing and we'll see you next time
0: thanks again for listening to this live clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at the artist forge we hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.